Uh, some uh, like um, Sheikh Farid was talking about. Um, uh, you know, that we're looking at. Uh, I think Sheikh Islam Sheikh, said Sheikh about. Farid Haybatan. Yeah, yeah. I'm not supposed you to know. mention his name. Oh, we're not. <laughs> we're not. You know, just kidding. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, Islam twenty one C right. Many yeah. years ago, I think they spelt one of his names wrong. He spelt his name wrong, yeah. and it was actually called Farid Baybatan. <laughs> That's a second wife joke, man. <laughs> oh, God. It means you're like baby Tam. Oh, God, I got dizzy, man. Baby Tam is like the two babies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, now, greetings to the world. Vice of the one big gangzilla alongside Skrillex. Oh, I want to do it like this. We must up the place, turn up the bass, and make them all out. You need to be a Buddha to know what Nirvana is. Come on, that was a good one. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, you're going through my tweets! Oh no! I wonder what it would be like to be a stakeholder in a restaurant. Oh god, I regret giving you my, my handle. What do you call an, uh, okay. what do you call an, an old fish that bites? Burana. Okay. Have uh, we started? These, by the these way? are these are some uh, tweets uh, in the public domain attributed to uh, Ustad Asifuddin. Assalamualaikum. Hello, Ustad. How are you doing? You right? All right. How's I think life? he's uh, he's come here to publicly atone for his jokes. Toba, toba. Uh, I haven't, man. Yeah. I'm just looking. Do you have any any more? What do you say to your sister when she's crying? Are you having a crisis? I didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't write that. Oh no wonder it's funny. Okay. <laughs> because I was just about to say that was. That's the... It was on your thing. I think you shared it from someone else. Oh okay. Anyone who has high ambitions for 2020 is a visionary. Do you Hello? see that one is this thing on? <laughs> if you haven't noticed, uh, brothers and sisters, I've got a new toy I'm playing with. I've uh, loaded up with some sound effects. Uh, I've got one more gap which uh, Ustad Asifuddin is going to help me fill and he was saying that he has a, a funny story um, Oh which one's that? The oh yeah that, oh, that one Yeah, go okay. on, so what's this, what's this funny story? So the, the one who told me this or the one, one second, let me Oh god Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put it in that one Alright Oh you can get rid of that one? Yeah That's good Maybe if you want to say something mysterious and then I'll like look at the camera and be like Okay, here's one Salman's not funny. Duffa Hoja. Oh no, that's not a duff, that's a drum, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, check this out, yeah? Okay, yeah. Go on. <laughs> sorry, carry on. So anyway, it's Tarawih in no actually it's not Tarawih, it's Qiyamul Layl, two or three o'clock in the morning. I'm hey, not pies. there, but someone hey, told me. Uh, it's not me, it's someone else. That's right, yeah. My friend. Yeah, my friend. Yeah, the my handsome friend. devil. <laughs> no, he's not that handsome. Um, so yeah, so he, he was in a masjid in South London. And they do Qiyam al-Layl. And it's like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And you know that there's going to be someone who decides not to put their, their phone off. <laughs> and the phone rings. 
or the alarm rings. We're not sure whether it's a phone or, or the alarm. And it goes off. And this is like a predominantly Pakistani masjid. Uh, you know, Pakistanis frequent the masjid. And you know there's going to be some uncle who's going to be really vexed about this, right? Yeah. So he, Does it keep going off? Nobody's Yeah, he, because he's not putting it off, right? Oh, he's, man. And That's the most annoying one. I know, tell me about it. If phone goes off, it goes off. But why just stand there and not... Yeah, I know. It's proper annoying, man. Yeah. yeah. So anyway... Sometimes what, I feel like giving them a... Hadouken! Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, so what happens is that this one uncle goes up to this guy after the salam. And some uncles are raw. <laughs> yeah, and this uncle was raw. He says, he says, I can't believe you are such a stupid you are. <laughs> <laughs> and what he's trying to do, right, is that he's trying to translate the uh, the Urdu into English, yeah. right? Because in Urdu you say, yeah? I can't believe you are Wait. such a stupid you are. <laughs> So, so generally what happens is that generally just speaking, just I just say it like, I don't know, it's like a vicar, man. Like, I say it every 10 times a day. I can't believe. I can't, but walk into it. I can't believe. Let me see if I got this. I can't believe. Oh Who's my. such a stupid you are? Oh, that's a good one. Right? Miracle of modern technology, folks. Wow, well, well done. Well, that's good. I can't wait to use it. Right, let's uh, engineer some kind of scenario working. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. Uh, Right, so, Assalamu alaikum. This again? is uh, oh, Asif al-Din. Well, we started uh, from the beginning again. Uh, n- no, I mean, but at some point we have to introduce you because yeah, really a lot of people probably don't know who you are. But who is Asif al-Din? Oh, I was going to use a... Nah, 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 but I just recorded over it. <laughs> you can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> can't believe it. <laughs> oh, great. That's great. <laughs> All right, so, who are you? So, what do you want to know about me? I don't want to give you, up my CV. How did you get into... Uh, so you're um, a what, part-time imam, I suppose. Uh, you do khutbahs usually yeah. on Fridays. Um, yeah, I tried doing it on Sunday. It just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Not really. I don't know. Would you call khatibs like part-time imams? You just Maybe. like praying like once yeah. a week. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real part-time imam, then, isn't it? But you got a lot of sawab. You get a lot of swab for that and well, A lot of right stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, how did you get into. You're also a. Uh, you deliver a thing on the Sabil program, mm-hmm. right? You're one of the Murabis. Uh, yeah, how did you get into studying <laughs> Islam? <laughs> because I think that goes back to how do you start like getting into the deen, I suppose. So, yeah, the way yeah. I got into the deen. Um, actually, I come from a, a generally good, uh, you know, background in terms of like my family. Uh, they all tend to pray. Alhamdulillah, they all pray five times a day. My parents have always like put that on me. You know, you t- need to pray five times a day, mm. and I haven't always listened and whatnot. And I think uh, something Is that happened. Quite rare. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because usually you, you hear stories like you know, family wasn't practicing, and then somebody becomes practicing, and then it spreads. But. Yeah, I don't know if that's a. I don't know. I yeah. mean, maybe that's the case with a lot of families. But alhamdulillah, my family's not been like that. Mm-hmm. Like my mum's. Uh, yeah, I know everyone kind of says this, but um, or at least claims it. But alhamdulillah, my mum's uh, a sayyid. So, oh really? You know, so she her, she's Mine got too. a lineage going. <laughs> <laughs> she goes. Her lineage goes back to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So alhamdulillah, so my, you're from Ahlul Bayt. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm half Ahlul Bayt. Can I give you like. I'm Ahlul Bayt. Yeah. Can't give you a zakah. No, no, I'm no charity case, man. Yeah. So um, I can give you a hummus, but it have to be a tenth now, it? Because only one. Uh, I'll take hummus any time of the week. I love hummus, man. But you need to have it with olive oil, though. Yeah. All right, go on. So your mum is the Sayyid. Yes, yeah, so Alhamdulillah. She's very, she's, mashallah, she's very mashallah. pious and whatnot. And uh, when my dad, uh, Rahimullah, passed away ten years ago, every single year we used to go for uh, spend the whole of the Ramadan in in Saudi. Wow. And well, Alhamdulillah, they did that already. From, sorry? Yeah, it's been 10, 10 years already, yeah. So he used oh, to do this like every single year for like 20, 25 years. Mm. And then once he passed away, then I would take my mum instead. But oh, not in Ramadan, sure. it was just too difficult. Um, yeah, it's really yeah, packed in Ramadan, it's like Hajj time. Yeah. yeah. I know it sounds strange, I actually prefer going to Saudi f- during Ramadan than Hajj. Yeah. Because just you like. Got yeah, you got Tarawih. Yeah, you got Tarawih Quran. It's just yeah. amazing. It's like for the whole month as well, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and you haven't been for some years. I really want to go. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so anyway, um, when I was uh, at college, Richmond-upon-Thames College, something happened to me. I'm not going to go into too many details. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted this du'a to be answered. Yeah. And then, alhamdulillah, uh, I just started to pray. <laughs> no, I wasn't fucking exams. My mum's watching, probably going to watch yeah. this, right? So, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I started, I started praying, Mashallah. you know, and it kind of snowballed. And then I started inviting, when I, was at, when I was at university, you used to always invite people to come to give talks and stuff. And one time, um, the, the speaker didn't come. And I'm like thinking, oh, snap, this is going to look really bad. So then I end up giving a talk myself. Uh, because it was like, <laughs> I kind of like this. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't like that. It's just like, because it's the, mid- the university was like really far away. It's like Brunel, yeah. I was doing my master's there. And then it was like, oh my God, there's like, they're not going to come to Brunel. It's like so far away. So then I said, oh, forget this. I might as well just do it myself. Mm. So then that's how, it, that's how I got into like, like giving talks okay. and whatnot. So you went, you did like a, a stint in Egypt a few years ago. How did that yeah. change your... Uh, actually, before Egypt, I went to Mauritania. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So what happened? People always ask me, like, why did you go to Mauritania? Like the, at that time, in the early 2000s, most people would uh, study in either in Egypt, or, uh, Egypt or Syria, right? To study Arabic mm. and whatnot. Uh, basically what it is Is that My parents are very protective Like they're, they're yeah. quite strict They're strictish parents so, You know we yeah. wouldn't really Go out at night by, my, by myself Even if I was like 18, 19, 20 years old They wouldn't really yeah. allow that And that wasn't part Of the family culture And, um, and I've never been abroad By myself yeah. So I really desperately Wanted to go And when I told them Yeah I want to go And study in Egypt They said no you can't do that I said why So we don't know What's going to happen to you You know You like become a terrorist Or <laughs> become a vabi <laughs> You become something <laughs> And uh, and then I, I just mentioned a name to I mentioned a country to them uh, that they never heard of and as I say ignorance is bliss <laughs> so I went to Mauritania so was that, that was tough quite, everyone says that but um, if you kind of like experience like village life in Pakistan not that I have yeah. but it's, it's it's very simple that you don't we, in the village that we stayed in <coughs> there was no electricity you know we'd actually wow. have we'd have to have like a flashlight with batteries or like a candle just to read in the nighttime mm. uh it was a little bit tough uh, getting used to it but you kind of yeah it's, it's fine but mm. alhamdulillah the good thing is that when i was out there uh, i went to a lot of villages and i got to see a lot of shiuch and a lot of different uh, systems of how they talk mm. did you see sheikh muhammad hassan uh, walid Dido? yeah sheikh muhammad hassan Dado, i actually studied with his uncle so i mm. studied in his village uh, which mm. is called Umul Qura 
Um, so I studied with his uncle, his name is uh, Sheikh um, Muhammad, um, Muhammad Salim al Adud, mm. Rahimullah, passed away mm-hmm. a few years ago. And Sheikh Muhammad, uh, Muhammad uh, Hassan al Adud, he didn't used to come that much, to be honest. Yeah. He's, you know, I saw him like two or three times because he's always traveling. He was mm. like in either Emirates or in Saudi and whatnot. So I got to meet him, then I got to meet, I went to, uh, did that crazy mission to see Sheikh uh, Marab al-Hajj as well, who did mm. pass away recently as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, other other scholars. I actually ha- I got into a big argument <laughs> with one of the scholars there, who ended up becoming like the Mufti. Of really? <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> oh God, maybe for another time. Yeah. So when you came back, um, so now are you still pursuing a... Um, a Islamic studies course in SOAS, right? No, no, I finished that. Oh, so finished. I finished my master's last year. I'm currently I'm doing a, a my PhD studies at Swansea University. Oh, so sure. since I'll be at Swansea, I'm sure I'll have a whale of a time. <laughs> Actually, I got funny. Wales. You're from Wales, okay. Oh my God, who's from Wales? Him. Are you from Wales? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Forgot you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I just really, yeah. I've got a funny incident that happened in. in uh, wow. I was in Swansea University uh, giving a talk with um, uh, Sheikh Uthman Latif, Dr. Uthman Latif. Yeah. So we were doing like a Ramadan preparation. This is about seven, eight, seven years, eight years ago. Yeah, it's about seven years ago. And uh, we went down, uh, you know, I met him there. And I don't really know him. It's the first time I met him, kind of like got to mm. know him kind of thing. And uh, I was supposed to do like the fiqh or the ahkam of. Siyam of fasting on Ramadan, and he was going to do the spiritual stuff. So I did all the the ahkam, and he did the spiritual stuff, and I, you know, obviously attended his uh, session. So he's going into like an emotional, you know, like like um, going into like an emotional thing where he was talking about uh, Yunus alayhi salam, mm-hmm. and he's like saying, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, this desperation that he had, and you know. You know, do you kind of like see the similarity? You know, what do we have in common with Yunus alayhi salam and all of that kind of stuff? And I put my hand up, and he, I don't think he knew me that well as well. Uh, because <laughs> if people knew who I was, then they probably would have uh, asked questions. Yeah, exactly. So then he put, he put, he put, I uh, put his, um, I put my hand up, and he like chose me, and then and I said, uh, Sheikh, is it because we're both in Wales? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he said, and he said, oh, that's a very scholarly answer. <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> So it's actually something that I have a I have a lot of passion for. Uh, it's in the that always helps. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> imagine Which, doing a PhD that you hate. Yeah. You can't. You can't. You can't. Quit. But I heard that you actually you need end up hating it right at the end. Of it. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, but it's if I were to do that, that'd be like kufr because I'm doing Quranic yeah, studies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but alhamdulillah, the actual topic that I'm doing is something that I really enjoy, and it's Which something is. that I've been looking to looking into in a lot uh, detail in the last few years. And this is just basically studying something called the Maqasid the Surah, which is looking at the aims of the Surahs of the Quran. Mm. So there's a theory amongst the scholars uh, that every single Surah pivots around a particular aim. Mm. There's or a difference between aim or and Or a theme. main idea. Or a main idea, yes, or a main message. Uh, so my PhD is just basically looking mm. at that. Okay. What are, the, what are the differences you've experienced between studying Islam in like Mauritania, Egypt, whatever, and in SOAS or in the Western Academy? Um, I think the main difference between studying Islam 
I suppose you can say in the East and the West, mm -hmm. right, in that respect, is that when you study Islam in, uh, in a Western academic setting, mm. it ends up becoming comparative studies in some respects. Because you're gonna, you have to study what the uh, Orientalists, although that's not a PC word to use now, they actually say Islamicists. Islamicists. Islamic, Islamicists, yeah. yeah. Uh, you need to study what they say, uh, and then you need to like study what the the Muslim uh, Orthodox position is and whatnot. So mm. it kind of becomes like Orthodox, uh, like a comparative study. It is really interesting, but I wouldn't actually recommend people going into Islamic studies. Um, you uh, learning it in a Western context, Western academia, until they've got a good foundation of Islam, yeah. because you know you're, you're studying like the doubts with you know the Islamic position and stuff. And plus, it's kind of um, where it's situated is still in a very uh, what some would say colonial context, because oh, yeah, for sure. it's like uh, it's just kind of what used to be Orientalism, which was created to serve a particular imperial function. And then, so now, those same structures, they've been tweaked here and there, but you still look through the lens of kind of sociology, anthropology, history, and this construct of world religions that, you know, um, it's like, uh, that, that people are studying like, like a, some kind of specimen or, you know, that you're engaging in or that, that kind of, as opposed to actually learning, um, you know, what does Allah want from me? Which is, I suppose... Yeah, so the spiritual the, element yeah. is definitely taken out of Islamic studies mm -hmm. when you're studying it in uh, in the Western universities. But the, I have a bigger beef, though. It's not... It's the colonial thing is definitely there. But my biggest mm -hmm. beef is the fact that it's more of an exploration rather than trying to come to the truth. Yeah. And then also, on top of that, what ends up happening... I'm not sure, though. Am I allowed to like mention names and stuff? Yeah. All right, okay. Salman Bhatt. <laughs> Uh, so then, uh, then what happens is uh, you get people like Patricia Crone, right? Who's a very famous uh, kind of like Orientalist, mm. a mo modern Orientalist who passed away a couple of years ago. And the thing is, is that she had this crazy theory, and she wrote a book called Hagarism with a guy called Michael Cook. And um, and and in all, they came up with because you know there's there's different there's different kind of ideas as to how you yeah. approach Islam. There's like the orthodox way. That there was a man by the name of Muhammad Sallallahu in the seventh century and mm. the sixth, seventh century, and you know he did this and this and this. So she's a what do they call it? Revisionist. Uh, revisionist. Yeah. yeah. So then the uh, the second group are Orientalists who basically believe there was a man mm -hmm. by that name, but the thing is that he may have been deluded mm -hmm. and whatnot. Wa billah. Then you have revisionists uh, who basically just say didn't actually, exist. Yeah, it didn't exist. <laughs> Not yeah, they revisionists will say that, yeah. but they come up with a completely new idea of history. Now, what I have a problem, the biggest problem I have with Western academia is that, you know, if you make a huge mistake, right, yeah. in any science like medicine or mm. in physics or science or anything, right, you'll be out of a job. <laughs> you'll be out of a job. You, your credentials would, uh, you know. Unless you're a politician. Actually, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with, with, the, with scholars in Islamic studies, not just Islamic studies, but history and these yeah. kind of things, it's like... They like you know they don't have any problems with that. So there's no there's no limits. There's no kind of like boundaries as to what you can and what you can't say. I think part of that is because of the whole enterprise of academia, and this Muslims are affected by this as well. It's, even like uh, traditionally, um, that the the problem with going into something for the sake of academia, for the sake of 
you know, justifying your job or your tenure as a professor mm. is you have to come up with something new, even sometimes yeah, original. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing a um, I won't mention his name, one a Muslim in the Western academic. So he's a kind of very big shot. Salman, uh, uh, no, no, a different one. Oh, okay. And uh, he was like, you might think you're coming up with something original, but if you you know, if you uh, look at the Islamic history, you'll realize that you're not very original at all. And I thought he was making a particular point, but I was thinking, I was thinking it betrays his intention, really. Yeah. That my aim is to come up with something original. Yeah, yeah. Rather, the point of Islam, studying Islam from our perspective is I want to. It's a process of discovery of what you know, what truth is. There's some some level exactly. of objective truth. Trying to get close to that. God's will, Allah's will. What, what he intended by this ayah or this ruling mm. or whatever but if if you're not if that's not your aim original aim and then your aim becomes i want to be original i want to come up with something interesting sure. and new then you'll even look at a very uh minor kind of or point yeah yeah and then you'll put a massive exactly. magnifying glass and you try and justify this is a massive thing or or this uh these two opinions are really different you know, and, and write a thesis on the difference between these two positions of schools of thought, for example. But it might not be, you just might be making a mountain out of Moho because you want to yeah, show, uh, show some kind so of... So there's a saying in um, Western academia, it's, uh, it's called um, publish or perish. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, because they, in order to be relevant, you need to be publishing things all the time, mm. all the time, all the time, all the time. So obviously the newer the theory or the newer the crazy the idea, the more attention it will kind of get. Yeah. But having said that, I mean, I, be, I think I'm being really harsh on Western academia. I mean, there are the good things as well. Like sometimes their analysis and their own the work that they've actually done is actually quite amazing. And also, um, whilst we would assume and take things for granted, uh, mm. their sceptic mind wouldn't do that uh, per se. So there, is, there are some really good uh, scholars, even though I don't agree with everything that they do. Uh, they have actually done some yeah. really good uh, study of the Quran as and well. And there's a similar kind of trend as well a feature in it similar to islamic scholarships from the past that is people there's a kind of peer review process people keep each other in check peer, peer review, yeah, peer review. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people keep each other in check so you can't um you know you're talking about you making a huge mistake yeah. there'll still be people who might no, publish something and try and uh, refute that or whatever yeah even though they'll eventually you'll have a developer following and it will become part of the norm uh, even something weird and kind of out there, um, there's still space for people to critique it on a, on a from a critical perspective, which is very important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that so, process is really good. So coherence in the Quran, mm-hmm. uh, the maqasid of the suwar. Can you explain uh, maybe some examples? How you? Uh, okay. Um, so like, let's say I don't know Surah Fatiha. We all recite it. Are you, is this theory saying that okay? There's a there's an, an objective to Surah Al-Fatiha uh, that the, the ayat revolve around or uh, okay, so, or any surah, so, so basically uh, this is not something which is new this mm. understanding of what is a maqsad of a surah or the aim of a surah and there's a difference between aim and a theme a theme is something that may, may be mentioned like uh, one or two times or it's just part of the surah and it doesn't actually it's not something that is a, recurring yeah it's not something it may even be recurring actually but the point is is that it doesn't live through the spirit of the whole of the surah and it's not the most pivotal thing um 
So this actually goes back to the time of Umar radiallahu anhu. Mm-hmm. And uh, Imam Shatibi rahimahullah, he used this as an example or a proof to say that this idea of a maqsad or a pivotal, or some scholars call it gharad, uh, gharad some call it mihwar. Um, but the point is, is that it's the pivotal or the main idea or message or aim of the surah. So there's an incident where Umar, Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he is a second caliph and you know he'd actually have a meeting with the senior companions and, 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 and whatnot and he would always bring with him Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, who's a cousin of the Prophet mm-hmm. and he was 13 years old when the Prophet passed away so he must have been quite young when Umar radiallahu anhu was bringing him to these meetings so maybe 15, 16 years old because the caliph of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu lasted for two years mm-hmm. So there are other companions, they were thinking, you know, they asked him, you know, why are you bringing him to these meetings? You know, he's too young for this kind of thing. We don't bring our sons and our younger relatives and whatnot. So Umar al-Khattab, he wanted to prove a point. Mm-hmm. So he, he said, okay, um, he asked every single one of them, what do you consider to be the main message or what is, the, what is Surah Al-Nasr about? Yeah. Um, and then some of them said, you know, it's about Fatul Makkah. Some of them said that it's about forgiveness. Some of them said that this, some said that. When it came to the time of um, uh, time of uh, Ibn Abbas, when he said, this is about the wafatul Nabi, this is about the death of the Prophet. Mm-hmm. And then Umar al-Khattab actually said, yes, this is the only uh, mm-hmm. understanding I have as well. So whilst the other companions and the people who around Umar were talking about the themes, perhaps, or the ideas, Ibn Abbas was talking about the main point, the main feature. Mm. Um, so there's actually a, a couple... But it's of... not that common to see in like a, a strict sense that people even saying in the past, right, this is a theme, this is the, the aim of the surah, right? They just maybe normally talk about some of the topics discussed or some yeah, of the themes. So, so unfortunately, there's not many scholars who have focused on this. Mm. Um, and I think part of it, and it's not just this, it's generally the issue of coherence and mm. the concept of munasaba from a macro level. So you're looking at like a surah from a, as a whole. Because usually what would happen is that uh, scholars in the past, whenever they would res- write a tafsir or they would teach tafsir, yeah. they do it by verse by verse, right? Yeah. So they're looking at a very micro level. But then, um, you know, there were some scholars, maybe some orientalists in the 19th century, they started to speak about ill of the Qur'an, like Richard Bell, he started rearranging the verses of yeah. the surahs of the Quran, saying, "No, this doesn't make sense for it to be in this surah; it should be in that surah." And this is this I perhaps this is the reason why it's become really popular in the last century. Um, and and the point is is that a lot of scholars generally, whenever you come up with when you uh, when scholars actually discuss something, Sometimes it's a response mm. to some like doubts that have actually occurred yeah. amongst the people. So this may be one of the main reasons why coherence in general has become a, like a big issue, or it's become a very talked about issue in the last trendy. hundred years. Yeah, it's trending effectively. Okay. Uh, but this idea about the maqsad of the surah, al-Fatiha is a very easy example. I'll give a, um, I'll give an example of Baqarah if you don't mind. Okay. So so basically, the, there's um, there's different ways of trying to uncover and understand uh, how you reach the maqsad of surah. Unfortunately, some of the scholars who have discussed this topic, they discuss it from the perspective of, um, uh, you know, like this, their own ishtihadat or their own thoughts, mm-hmm. right, after reading the surah over and over again. But they haven't really gone into a rigorous uh, 
um, discussion as to what is a methodology that they employ in reaching that conclusion, uh, except for two or three scholars who have actually done that. Uh, and this is really unfortunate to see because otherwise we won't be able to really understand how they reach that conclusion. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest ways is through the name, right? One of the biggest ways is through the name. So I'll give Fatih as an example, actually. Bakr will take me a bit longer mm -hmm. to explain. So Fatiha, it can be understood to be uh, translated as um, like the opening uh, of, the, of the Quran, right? That's what Fatiha means to open, mm -hmm. like open a door. Um, but the way that I would actually retranslate that is that I would actually probably say, rather than calling it the opening, you can call it opening, but it would be more like, like the introduction. Like Professor Abdul Halim, he called this like the table of contents. Uh, and the reason why, uh, though how, how we actually link the name with the, the aim of the surah, although there are many other ways of actually doing this mm -hmm. through the sabab nuzul, the reasons for revelation, you look at the virtues, you look at you know, the, the contents of the surah and all of those different things. It's about 10 mm -hmm. different ways of actually, 10 different mechanisms or steps that you can actually employ. But I find the most precise way or uh, an accurate way of actually trying to discern what is the aim of the surah is through its tawqifi name, which is, means it's through its divine name. Because obviously any scholar can actually... Someone, were, were they all given tawqifi names? Tawqifi names? Uh, as far as I know, all of them were given tawqifi names, yeah. Okay. As far as I know. That's part of my mm -hmm. PhD, I need to find that out. Okay. But it becomes more complicated when you have more than one tawqifi yeah. name, right? One more than more than one divine name. And then does that mean that there's more than one man maqsad, one, mm -hmm. more, than, more than one name? Again, so that's what's part the aim of... Fatiha is saying it's an introduction to the rest of the... Yeah, so it's actually... What is an introduction of any book? It's basically a summary of the mm -hmm. whole book. So you can say that this tells us, the Surah Al-Fatiha gives us the main maqasid or the aims or the main message of the Qur'an. So you can say that is the effectively the, the aim of Surah Al-Fatiha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a lot of things that point to that, right? So there's actually a narration of Hassan al-Basri, rahimullah. Yeah. He said it was said that there's 104 scriptures that were sent down to the prophets. And all of them can be summarized in four, the Torah, the Injil, the Zabur, and the Qur'an. All of that can be summarized in the Qur'an, mm -hmm. and all of that can be summarized in Al-Fatiha. Yeah. And there's other uh, secondary... Uh, the seven oft-repeated uh, Sabah Mathaniya. Yeah, so the thing about Sabah Mathaniya as being as a name, and that is a Tawqifi name. Yeah. So now you have to distinguish, okay, what kind of name is it? Because is it a description, as Sabah Mathaniya is, which is that like seven oft-repeated verses, it's also called the Ruqya, it's called the mm. Asara. But are those descriptions, or are they the real name? Do you understand my point? Again, yeah, that's something that I need to explain. It still sounds a bit kind of airy-fairy. Sorry to just... That's all right. <laughs> cut the old PhD here. That's fine. That, it's an exploration. But it's like, uh, I mean, someone could just say, yeah, I think this is the, the aim of this sort and someone else can say, you know, still at the end of the day, if, if, if you're... If two people have two different ways of going about um, giving the methodology, two different methodologies, then... Who can say if there's one right or wrong so, one? So this is my point. First of all, it's very ijtihadi. So we yeah. cannot say definitely with certainty, this is definitely the maqsad. Mm. It's very difficult to do that. Uh, secondly, um, there was example, um, uh, Hamiduddin Farahi and Amin Aslahi, uh, a, a teacher and a student uh, from uh, India who mm. came up, who had, a, who had a lot to say regarding coherence. And they also had this, uh, this, this idea of each surah having a maqsad, or they would call it a pillar or a amud. Um, 
the thing is is that they employ the same methodology mm-hmm. but they came with two different conclusions and some yeah. that, and some sorters so my part of my thesis or part of my phd is going to be looking at how can i or how can it be come more accurate like yeah. the the methodology that they're using the methodology other scholars are using how can you pinpoint is there something that we can look to mm-hmm. in order to find out if it's there's a there's a there's a more accurate way of actually pinpointing yeah. what the the mux okay. is you're doing this PhD part time? Are you working at the same time? Yeah, yeah, I'm part time. Yeah. Where are you working at? Ira? Uh, I'm at Ira. Yeah. Okay. What are you doing there? Uh, other than telling jokes and puns, <laughs> uh, I'm working on the education research. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I saw this poster. You did the uh, roots of Dawa. Oh yeah, I'm doing what that, was that uh, this week. I haven't done it oh, yet. Oh okay. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> What's it going to be about? Uh, so. You haven't prepared it, have you? Uh-huh, I've done most of it. <laughs> um, okay, so basically what Ira do is that they want to empower and develop the mm. du'ats. So they have these specialized um, like sessions or workshops for people who've got some, for some du'ats who have got, you know, uh, you know, got some experience and knowledge in giving da'wah. Mm-hmm. So this happens uh, every month uh, and if, uh, sometimes even twice a month. Uh, on on a weekend, and they come to the where the IRA building is. Yeah. Or the, look, we don't own the whole building, <laughs> <laughs> but the but we got like a like a seminar room. Yeah. Um, and the, we just discuss specialized topics. So, for instance, mm. the CEO Hamza uh, Ustad Hamza Yazor says he's doing one right now. Actually, okay. oh, no, he did it last night, Sunday today, right? Yeah, he did yeah. one last night about, and the topic was rethinking da'wah. Right, so he did this like a two three weeks ago, and I think he repeated it again because there's a lot of waiting. Li- there's mm-hmm. a lot of people on the waiting list. So um, I'm going to be doing um, the roots of that one, and that's basically uh, looking at the main verses and the main uh, ahadith which relate to Dawa mm. so that we can understand like its contextual understanding and the, the correct understanding. So, for instance, you know the the very famous verse. I think it's in Surah Fusilat. Well, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "No, is it that one?" It's Fusilat. Um, which one am I thinking of? I think the one in Surah Nahl, where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says um, that call to your Lord mm. with with hikmah. Um, what is it? With uh, Mawadat al-Hasna. Uh, yeah, Mawadat al-Hasna, yeah. and, uh, with uh, with good rem- uh, good reminder, uh, and to debate or discuss with them in mm. a, in the best way. So it's really interesting when I was looking at some of the tafsir for this for this verse. What's funny? Somebody's making faces behind you. Is it? Who's that? Oh, Mahmoud. <laughs> mm. So if you look at this verse, it's really interesting. Some of the scholars they say that debating mm. is not actually part of da'wah because uh, the mu'idatul hasana and calling with hikmah are is mentioned with a wow or wal ma'tuf. But mm. but if you c- cannot get to someone through these two ways of wisdom and you know you know counseling them in a good way, then the only uh, thing that you can resort to is actually speaking it's like to like a plan B. Yeah, it's like a plan <laughs> B, and that's why like uh, some of the mufassirin, mm. which I was really surprised to learn, like Fakhruddin Razi, rahimullah, he says that he says that you know, jidal leisa min bab like jidal or you know like debate, like damage limitation maybe or. Um, he basically says that it's not considered to be the pillars of da'wah and, yeah. he, and, and, and unfortunately if you actually look at the way that da'wah is done uh, p- 
people would just assume that debating is like the main form of da'wah. Mm. I'm not necessarily saying this is right or wrong. I'm not saying that debating is not hasn't got its place, but I do feel that it's got a huge emphasis in the da'wah. When yeah, it doesn't have a lot to be. Of kind of mass debating. Also, like the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu where he mm-hmm. said, um, you know, giving da'wah, calling someone to khair or good uh, to Islam is better than red camels. You know, a very famous yeah. hadith, right? Like if one if person would be guide, guided through you. Yeah, it's better than red camels. Yeah. Then, yeah. But the, the context of the hadith is really interesting. So the mm. Prophet Sallallahu said that this to Ali radiallahu an at the morning at the Battle of Khaybar. So there is about to be a battle and the Prophet Sallallahu is selling Ali radiallahu an to negotiate with the Jews of, of Khaybar. Yeah. And he basically says to them that tell them about Islam. So maybe they'll become Muslim yeah. and that will be better than taking, go, resorting to jihad and taking all their red camels. Right. Uh, so the, the context is really interesting. I found. Yeah. So it's just looking at the main uh, verses and the main um, ahadith which relate mm. to Dawah. Okay. That's what you're going to be doing next. Yeah, inshallah. Okay. What's Hamza's one about? Oh, I can't remember. So that I'm sounds sure. more interesting. <laughs> You know, it's really bad, but yeah. I don't know what it's about. Really? Yeah. No, I think rethinking that work, yeah. part of it is, and um, hopefully he's not going to sack me for getting this wrong, <laughs> um, is that I think he, part of uh, part of it is really um, this idea, one, one of the points is, you know, the need we feel to answer all the questions. Yeah, that's so important, man. Yeah. Uh, some, uh, like um, Sheikh Farid was talking about... Um, uh, you know, th- we're looking at. Uh, I think Sheikh Islam Sheikh, said about. Sheikh Farid Haybatan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not supposed you to know. mention his name. <laughs> oh, we're not. We're not. You know. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Lam 21 seat, right? Many yeah. years ago, I think they spelt one of his names wrong. He spelt his name wrong. Yeah. And it was actually called Farid Haybatan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a second wife joke, man. It means you like baby. Tam. Oh god, I got dizzy, man. Baby Tammy's is like the two babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you get, get, you know, you have twins. I think it's it? Islam Twenty One C, or maybe it's a WhatsApp yeah. message. I don't know. You know, he was, so he was the uh, uh, first editor, isn't it? Islam Twenty One C. You've been an editor. Yeah. yeah. I'm the current editor. Yeah. You're the something chief editor. Com- with something in common here. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, the issue of answering every question, that's really important. And he was talking about, for example, um, you know the hadith, um, like if somebody gets the, the wiswas that, you know, who created Allah. Yeah. What's very important, what's very yeah. interesting is the Prophet ﷺ didn't, it, it's got a very simple answer. Yeah. If you actually, it's not like people are running away from the answer, but he didn't say, and whatever the Prophet ﷺ um, uh, said in that context Generally speaking We would assume That is the best thing Yeah Right And he didn't say Then the answer to that Doubt or question Is X, Y, Z Rather he said uh, Say uh, Aman to Billah And uh, make uh, Seek refuge in Allah From the Shaitan mm. And uh, Shaykh Islam Went into so much detail uh, About the wisdom Behind this mm. An actual like And it applies So much of uh, little kind of all the little questions and doubts and um, shubuhat and specious arguments that people might have yeah. about Islam because sometimes entertaining the question could make things worse, right? It could mm. or it could just lead to another question, another question, another question. Um, whereas 
he likened it, for example, that question to uh, this is Ibn Taymiyyah. He likened it to like imagine if you're um, you just want to get somewhere and there's a there's a vicious dog in the middle of the road. Mm. There's two ways to do it. You can either um, you know get a big stick and try and beat the dog out of the way, or you can just ask its owner <laughs> to excuse me, can you move your dog, please? Then fine, I'm, I'm going. Uh, so he likened seeking refuge in Allah with asking the owner of the dog mm. to to you know to to uh, to help you on your way. You could try and do it yourself, but that the, the what the prophet sallam you know suggested is the best scenario and that actually goes to goes to the root i mean for me that that particular hadith is really deep in that first of all like um, you know hamza said this many times i probably butchered that story by the way i mean I'll yeah i'm sure you have islam if he's listening yeah <laughs> i didn't write that he's not sure um yeah so um later on maybe he's replaying this in jannah i don't know i don't think it'd be that good <laughs> Um, Got a lot of time to kill <laughs> Yeah So uh, that, that hadith is really deep uh, mm. And you know At the family break I've been doing A few sessions With some of the youth And mm. I've mentioned This hadith as well Because I wanted to just mention I wanted them to come up with Like how do we respond To some, certain doubts and stuff Because Some of the youth work I've done People get mm. really embarrassed Of actually asking These kind of questions So I was so impressed With their answers Like really impressed Mm. And, and this hadith I, I also mentioned as well And that hadith is really deep for a number of reasons um, The first thing is that Like Hamza's mentioned this so many times He's like a lot of the cases that he's come across And I also the, the very little few cases yeah. that I've come across Where there's some uh, brothers and sisters They decide to leave, leave the deen um, They tend not to leave the deen In the vast majority of cases Because of uh, yeah. intellectual doubts Right, and it's mostly down to something that's happening to them in their life. Maybe there's something, there's some problem uh, at home, at work, at college, and whatnot. Um, and it's usually a spiritual disease. Yeah. So the actual answer the Prophet is, is really deep because he gives us a spiritual answer. Right? Because you, there's a reason why that question even came up. Yeah, why did you not ask yeah. that question like ten years ago when you were? Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. But also, I don't know if this is a stretch. Um, but also, I feel that by saying Amantubillah, you're actually kind of affirming the first cause yeah. anyway. Right? So yeah. that you are, the Prophet does answer the question yeah. in some respect. But, but the thing is that, you know this thing about not right. answering all the questions? Yeah. We have to have a balance in this as well. Because we don't want to go to the other extreme where, you know... <laughs> don't answer any questions. You don't know, yeah, no, because really, this is a big problem in Saudi and really? in, yeah, in Pakistan as well. Where, unfortunately, some people, they feel... Uh, you know they hold on to statements of like yeah. Imam Ahmed rahimullah he says when you ask about qadr don't you know don't ask any questions of qadr but the situation's got very different now where we have to answer some of these questions because mm. people have real doubts but the point is is that you have to discern what is the real doubt so you can actually deal with that yeah. rather than dealing with all of their questions yeah um because we symptoms we, because you know the, the, the problem is is that I know this one uh, one family I'm not going to go into too, the, too many details you know very uh, very religious, very practicing family. You know, the the, the father is like a you know very well respected sheikh and whatnot. But you know, like half What's of his, his name, <laughs> half of his kids like left Islam, man. Yeah, it's really sad. And and part of this is because they had the parents had a very kind of like strict thing, like you don't ask these kind of questions. Yeah. And I don't know if that was because uh, they didn't know how to answer it. But they said no. You know, they're very black and white about the way that they. That's were a lot. Of, that's you know, a lot of young people are, uh, um, are growing up with that 
uh, assumption that somehow we're, you know, we, you, we don't ask questions because you don't know the answers to it. Yeah. Rather than because that's a waste man question, it's going to yeah, waste yeah, your yeah. time. Right? Yeah. 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 In terms of the answers, uh, someone was showing me this encyclopedia, 43 volumes. Yeah. Of all the shubuhat against yeah, Islam, yeah, I was like, that's mind blowing. That yeah. you're not this, this, this people of this deen are not scared of questions. Yeah, for the sake of questions. Yeah, like literally every single doubt argument against Islam they could think of, they compiled it, and they they're very repetitive throughout history, right? Yeah, yeah. But the the problem is that question that they have, the question, the doubt, it's not it's not a genuine intellectual kind of question. Yeah, agree. They might they might come to their mind, but there's a reason why it it got embedded in their heart. Right? Yeah, and this is a reason why Muslims have to learn with yeah. learn, learn to live with this principle, right? Mm. And this is the principle that we take from the story of Isra al-Mi'raj with Abu Bakr radiAllahu anhu, when he was oh. asked about the the Isra, uh, and he was kind of like goaded, and he was like put in a corner to answer this question. Uh, your, your your prophet is saying, yeah. you know, he went to Jerusalem yeah, in one, one night. day and came back in one yeah, night. It's impossible. What do you say about yeah, that? Yeah, what do you say about that? Yeah. So I think the answer he gave is deep. It's amazing. Yeah. He's like saying, okay, if he said this, I don't know how he did it. If he said it, then I believe it. Yeah. And that was a bit of a Hadouken moment. Yeah. <laughs> Hadouken! Yeah. But the thing slow, is, man. he said, if I, if I remember correctly, he said, yeah, exactly. That's a very yeah. uh, kind of uh, epistem epistemologically sound to sound like. Hamza yeah, and here. that's what I was actually. It's a very to. sound kind of uh, structure. You're saying I believe what he said about something more amazing than that, and that he gets revelation. Yeah, from that the he heavens. gets revelation. And this and this is the point that I wanted to make that because there's that you don't have to be there's certain things in Islam that we may feel really uncomfortable mm. about or things that we don't actually understand we don't know how to explain it and that's completely fine because in actual fact that's part of our test mm. right because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to know that are you going to change your religion based on social pressure and yeah. whatnot or are you going to stick on your to desires it? yeah based on yeah. based on your desires but the point is and this goes back to the second statement of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and he mm. was called Siddiq as a result of this incident uh, the most truthful mm. is the fact that um, what there the basis or the premise of Islam, the foundation of Islam, can be explained in a very rational, logical way that anyone can that anyone can understand. Mm. So once you actually believe in that, then Allah, all these other things which may be kind of red herrings. Yeah, 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 they're all yeah in that respect. But the thing, are. the reason that would cause you to dwell on those periphery issues. And make you doubt the core 100% robust issues yeah. Is some kind of spiritual issue Or emotional or mental health issue Definitely even. Like Sheikh Haydn once he said if some, Sometimes if someone, a young person comes up to you with a, a weird question Sometimes just putting your arm around them And giving them a pat yeah. on the back Or just having some emotional Definitely. contact He said that, that, that will get away, get, do away with the, that, that shubha, that doubt yeah. Even the word shubha Like, <laughs> like for instance that, that man who came to the Prophet وسلم, And he so, says yeah. Ya Rasul Allow me to make zina mm. The way that the Prophet dealt with that Was just like mind blowing mm. It's just like in a non-suicide bombing <laughs> kind of way right? It's just <laughs> It's like just incredible though Like yeah. There's so many lessons that you can get from that First of all, he dealt with it. It's a very emotional thing, so he dealt yeah. with it in an emotional way. He didn't he didn't yeah. mention any verses or ayat regarding punishment and all of that kind mm. of stuff, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is that he dealt with it in an emotional way. Do you want your like would you want your mother to do that? Would you want your 
So yeah. no, no way. Spoiler. Like, no, why would it? And also, he made him refute himself. And that will, that's something we have yeah, to get to youth, the youth to do. Get them to utter the answer. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's not... People don't like to be told the truth. And they need to, you have to facilitate for them to discover the truth yeah. themselves. And that's yeah. what the Prophet ﷺ effectively did. Yeah, and then what did he do? He put his hand on his heart. Yeah, and he made dua for him. Mm. He said, oh Allah, please purify him. And you know, that, the whole mm. of that dua. And then what did the man say? He said later on, he said that of all the things, I hated zina the most. <laughs> that's amazing. You know? That's how you affect people. I think dawa needs some of that. Definitely. Emotional intelligence yeah. is a very important part of dawa. And also, um, you know, like uh, like mental health as well. We need to know uh, elements of mental health. Alhamdulillah, uh, like all the staff, we, we did like a mental health uh, first aid uh, course. So we can actually understand. Because sometimes, uh, you know, people, as you just said, you know, like Sheikh Haytham said, and Hamza says this quite often yeah. as well. He says, sometimes you just need to like give someone a hug and just yeah. and get them, just have like a, like a cup of coffee or like tea with them or something, you know, a bit of pizza. And, you know... And mm. that's half the problem gone, you know. Yeah, yeah, subhanAllah. Anyway, uh, I think Abdul Summer looks really tired now. <laughs> that means it's really boring. It's four o'clock. Do you need to be somewhere? Or? Yeah, I do, man. Liverpool playing, man. I can't believe! Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very important game, man. Yeah. It's getting Cardiff. Alhamdulillah, Man United got smashed. I think it was 4 0 when I last saw okay. the results. It's still 4 0. Is it 5 0? Against uh, Everton, man. How many runs? I keep losing against Everton. How many wickets? My God. There's four oh, wickets. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they got LBW'd. Yeah. Yeah. Really funny incident. So there's me, there's Mahmoud and Sheikh Abu Ramesa. We're all in Mahmoud's house. Yeah. And we're talking about like Premier League football. Me and Mahmoud talking right, about. Let me get football. one of these things ready. Go on. And uh, I'm a I'm a Liverpool supporter, obviously. Mashallah, it's part of the fitra. <laughs> and then. Um, oh, was that not a joke? Yeah. And then Mahmoud is uh, Arsenal supporter. We're talking about something to do Premier League. And then Abu Ramesa, who is Sheikh Abu Ramesa, is not into like football <laughs> at all. He said, "Oh, is the World Cup on?" <laughs> My God, this isn't backbiting because um, you know we're gonna send you this clip and you, you'll have a right of reply, Abu Ramesa, Sheikh Abu Ramesa, inshallah. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for watching, brothers and sisters. If you liked it, give it a like and a share, um, comment. You know. Um, yeah, Zakma Khair, Zakma Khair, Sheikh Asif, Zakma Khair, and uh, yeah, tune in next time. Uh, Sheikh Asif can be found at what's your Twitter handle again for the jokes? Are you gonna put the beginning part of it? Like yeah, the, oh god, reading right. out your jokes. So it's AAU004. Okay, so yeah. if you want to avoid those terrible jokes, then stay away from that. Uh, <laughs> this thing on? Okay, Salaam Alaikum Salaam. I can't believe you are such a stupid you are! <laughs>